Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, before I pray, I'm going to take my mask off now. You guys okay? Yeah. I completed my vaccination, so if that gives anybody some comfort. Uh, let me pray, and uh, let's, let's hear from the Lord today. Let's pray. God, we thank you just for uh, this time. We thank you, God, that we can now sit under your word. And you're a God who speaks, uh, and your word is uh, accompanied by the power of your spirit, and we need both. And so we pray, God, that as we sit before, sit under your word today, that your Holy Spirit would be at work within our hearts, uh, not just teaching us in our minds, but applying the word to our hearts and helping us to experience your word and the truth of your word in powerful ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Uh, so in this month, we've been basically reflecting on the book of Ephesians. And we get to a part in the book of Ephesians where there's this prayer. And this is one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. And, you know, for some reason, I always find myself praying different aspects of this prayer. And it's not like I'm recalling it. And, you know, in my private prayer life, it's not like I pray to God and say, according to Ephesians 3, right? <laughs> this is what it prays. I just find it kind of coming to my mind, and I pray this prayer a lot. And, you know, Paul is praying for this church that they would know what they know, right? That's essentially what the prayer is, that I pray that the church in Ephesus would know what they know. Or to put it another way, he's basically saying, I am praying that in their inner being, that they would know what is true in their mind. Uh, that we can uh, know the love of Christ, and not just from uh, an intellectual perspective, but that there would be this deep heart knowledge, this deep inner being, understanding of the love of Christ. Because the truth of the matter is, we can know something on an intellectual level, we can know something in our minds, and still not yet completely know it uh, in our experience. Uh, I'll give you an example. Last week, I think last week was Mother's Day, right? Last week was Mother's Day. Uh, Jen's birthday was also last week, and so, you know, for the first time in a very long time, we decided, you know, I made reservations to a, a nice restaurant in the city, and for the first time in a long time, we, just the two of us, we went into a restaurant uh, in New York City together, and uh, the restaurant had, you know, good reviews, great reviews, and so going in, I knew the food is going to be good, but I didn't really know 
how good of an experience was going to be. Now, getting into there, last week, traffic was horrendous, right? So uh, we were trying to get into the city, and we were getting to the Lincoln Tunnel, coming in from Hoboken, and it took us like 30 minutes to even get to the entrance of the tunnel. And, you know, we called the restaurant. We had reservations at 5 o'clock, and we're like a little bit frantic. It's like, oh, no, are we going to make our reservation? And we called them. We said, hey, we're stuck in an unusual amount of traffic. Um, uh, is it going to be okay? And then the restaurant said, well, you have 15-minute grace period, and after that 15 minutes, uh, we might give your table away to somebody else. And so we had like this choice, right? We're like, okay, we could take a risk and go through this traffic, and there will be potential that we will not get, a, get our table or get seated, or we can make a decision to, to turn around and just go home and say, you know, forget about it. And part of me wanted to turn around because I thought, you know, if they give away our reservation and we kind of spend like an hour, hour and a half in this traffic, it's going to be all like pointless, right? A whole waste of time. But we decided, all right, let's just risk it and let's just go through this traffic. And, you know, we ended up being about, I think, 20, 25 minutes late and they still gave us a table, uh, which was great. And we sat down and we ate and it was a great experience, right? I don't know if it's because we haven't done it in such a long time. It was great, but it was a great experience. And the food, right, the combination of the food, the combination of having an uninterrupted conversation with one another, uh, the combination of not having been in that kind of environment for quite a while, it was just a fantastic time. And after the meal, we were so happy, and we were like, oh, man, it was so worth it to be in that long traffic to uh, eat this food and to have this experience. Now, did I know that it was going to be a good experience? I did know it was going to be a good experience, but did I really know, right, how good of, a, good of an experience it was going to be? And no, I didn't, because I considered, eh, let's not go in the traffic, let's just turn around, right? Uh, do you see the distinction between how you can actually know something but not really know it? And Paul is praying here that the church in Ephesus, that they would know what they already know. A little bit about the role of prayer. And I don't know, the older I get, or maybe uh, especially in this past year, uh, the more convinced I am that prayer is incredibly essential for a robust spiritual life and even for a healthy church. And I know your response is going to be, like, duh, right? Uh, as a pastor, should you give us some more profound insights? Did you go to seminary and what you study this? And you're saying prayer is important? Yeah, yeah, right? But I think the older I get, uh, yeah, I know prayer is important in my mind, but there, there's a difference between knowing that prayer is important and like existentially in our inner being, knowing that prayer is really important. And I said the book of Ephesians is like this funnel, right? The beginning starts with like these high, lofty statements about God and what he has done, and Paul is kind of funneling it down. And starting next week in chapter 4, this is where it starts to get a little bit practical and a little bit more connected to our realities. But what I thought is this, I don't know if Paul did this potentially, but the structure of this, I think, fits. How do you connect the lofty things with the practical things of life? I think it's prayer. And therefore, I think this prayer is uh, as a perfect way to bridge these two things. And the things that we do to grow spiritually, of course, are nice and important, right? Uh, studying the Bible is nice. We're going to have both sacraments later. Receiving the sacraments are nice. Reading books on theology or the Christian life are nice things. But all of these things basically, even though they have their place and function, they're kind of like kindling. And in order to light that fire, do you know what we need? We need the Holy Spirit to come and to light that kindle, right? And I think that's what prayer does, because we have no control of the Spirit. 
right? All we can do is ask the Spirit to come and to enliven our hearts, to enliven our inner beings. And so that's why I find myself praying this prayer often, because at the end of the day, what I realize I need is not just to read more books on theology or to read like a book on the love of God. I think at the end of the day, what I think I need is I need to, the Spirit to activate something in my inner being and impress upon how amazing and how good the love of Christ is, that I, I really know it uh, on a deep existential level. Now, that's a positive way of putting it. Let me state it negatively. The negative way to say what Paul is saying here is this. Maybe we don't really think, we don't really know what we think we know, right? Uh, there's a ton of Christians who understand the gospel message intellectually, and yet still have very little passion within their hearts for the gospel because they don't know the love of Christ at this existential level. And uh, I don't say that as a word of judgment because I do think all of us, we go through seasons of that, right? Where we, we know the love of Christ, but then there's seasons where we, we just don't feel it in our hearts and we just don't feel it in our bones. And uh, I think that's when we say we feel spiritually dry and uh, things of the Christian life get increasingly more difficult. See, we need a spirit because we need to know that uh, right the, the very thing that Paul says uh, surpasses knowledge, right? So there's a sense in which it's unattainable on our own. We need the Spirit to give us that deep inner knowledge, that knowledge in our inner being, because the truth of the matter is we can't attain it on our own. It's not through mental assent, but it comes by way of the Holy Spirit who responds to our prayers. But I also want you to notice something important here, and that is the role of community, the role that community has in this prayer. Because if you look at verse 18, it says that you may have a strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And that little phrase there, with all the saints, is a phrase I want to highlight here. You know, when it refers to saints, it's just the Bible's way of talking about all believers, so that you can comprehend the love of Christ with all the saints, meaning with other believers. And, you know, comprehend is probably not the, the best translation for that word, because comprehend, again, makes you think it's like something you have to understand. But I think a better way to translate it is something that you apprehend or you grasp, that you grasp or apprehend the love of Christ with one another, with all the saints. That's the only way you can get a sense of the fullness of the love of Christ. You need other believers. Now, that's a little bit different than I think how modern people think in terms of how you experience God, because we often, people, uh, we often hear people say, I'm spiritual but not religious, and what that usually means is like I can have my own personal relationship with God without being part of any kind of community or any kind of institution. And if anything, community life uh, is something that's optional that can maybe enhance my experience with God, but it's not really important for my individual spirituality. And I think I think Paul would disagree with that. And Paul would say it's actually impossible to grasp or apprehend the love of Christ if you are not in the life of all the saints. You know, if you look at how the love of God is described here, Paul's using very poetic language, and he's praying that we might know the breadth and the length and the height, right, and the depth of God. Right? He's trying to he's trying to describe something that is incredibly big and incredibly difficult to grasp for a single person. Now, if you think about something that's incredibly big, like let's say something in New York, if you've ever been to the Met for a day. Uh, you probably won't get a sense of the fullness of the museum, or maybe the Louvre in Paris. It's so large, 
that it's impossible for one person to really get a grasp of everything that is in that museum. But then, let's say you have a group of five or ten people, and you kind of split up, and you say, let's explore the different aspects of this museum, and then let's get together, and let's discuss it together. And because you do it in community, something that is so big to grasp on an individual level, they actually can get, get more of a sense of in the life of community. And if you think about how big the love of Christ is, of course not a single person can grasp it on their own, through their own life, through their own life experiences. It, it takes the saints, other believers, to really fill that out. Uh, let me be a little bit practical and use some real life patterns. You know, someone who experiences the love of Christ from the perspective of, let's say, a family that's been broken, and someone who has experienced the love of Christ from the perspective of uh, a family that uh, is whole, they might actually see the love of Christ from different angles. And of course, that their experiences doesn't make one person better than the other, but their experiences might shape how they uh, view things, including the love of Christ. And so the person maybe who came from a family that was broken, they see the love of Christ and they say, you know, the love of Christ really restored me and brought me great healing. And they can share that testimony with others and then they say, wow, the love of Christ is so powerful, we have the power to heal and to restore. And then maybe the person who came from a whole family, they say, the love of Christ is, uh, you know, I, I saw it through the blessing of what God has provided to me and through his providence. And of course, you know, both people have different life experiences and they can share about different aspects of the love of Christ with one another. And you kind of get a fuller grasp of it. You know, there's this writer named uh, Jody Arisipata, and she, uh, she became a quadriplegic because she had this diving accident when she was a teenager. And that experience, of course, shaped the way she herself understood the love of Christ. And she started sharing her story with other people and how that experience of you know, being a quadriplegic and at one point like, not wanting to live and then encountering Christ, she's able to share that with other people. And because of that, it fills out how great and how how big the love of Christ is for other people who don't share that same experience. You know, the older person who has walked uh, the Christian faith and walked with the Lord for 40 years, they are going to see the depth of the love of Christ uh, in a different way more than, uh, let's say, somebody their, as a teenager, somebody in their 20s. And they can get together and kind of share about the love of Christ. It fills it out. So you, you see what I'm saying? The love of Christ is so big that it's something that can only be apprehended or grasped with the saints. And Paul realizes that. And of course, the book of Ephesians is a book about the church. And he's praying for the entire church. And if you see there's division within the church, that cuts you off actually from being able to apprehend the fullness of the love of Christ. You see that? Now, even though the cross was a singular event, the implication of that event, it does send ripples throughout history. It sends cosmic and worldly and personal uh, ripples throughout all of our histories. The breadth of the love of God reaches every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The length of the love of Christ it goes on for centuries, for millennia. Uh, the depth of the love of Christ is like this infinite, inexhaustible pit, and you think you've gotten to the bottom, but then there's always more to discover. And the height of the love of Christ means that there is no greater glory or pinnacle that we can experience. And when you take that all together, this singular act of the cross is gruesome, but brilliant and powerful all at the same time. And it is really the clearest picture that we get of the love of God. And if 
grasp it in a way that in the way that we ought, what it's going to do is it is going to send ripples throughout every aspect of our life. It is going to be like a meteor that crashes into a lake, and when you just kind of see like the effects of the meteor and how it changes the composition of that lake. Paul's prayer for the church is for that to happen. That the Holy Spirit would crash into our hearts and send ripples into our lives so that the love of Christ gets applied to our hearts. Now, uh, the conclusion of grasping the love of Christ uh, in this prayer is to be filled with all the fullness of God. And to be honest with you, that's a phrase I don't know if I quite get it. Uh, to be filled with the fullness of God. It's a little bit of a perplexing phrase, but uh, I do think the overall sentiment is clear. Paul is saying, you know, when you grasp the love of Christ in the way that I'm praying for you to grasp it, you will be filled. You will not feel empty. And that's important because not only is life difficult, but uh, ministry is difficult. And one of the reasons why it's difficult is because it requires us to pour ourselves out. Maintaining the bonds of peace is difficult because we have to pour ourselves out and sacrifice things that are important to us. And that kind of work is impossible if you are coming from a place of emptiness. Uh, because ultimately you'll have to get filled from these other sources, and these other sources uh, can be detrimental to our souls. Uh, as a general practice, I usually don't like to mention uh, other pastors, especially when it's like negative. Um, but I think a lot of you know like what happened to the pastor at Hillsong, and uh, he got caught in a moral scandal. And I remember one of the things that he said, uh, and I kind of took it as a warning to myself, but one of the things he said in a statement that he has been empty for a long time, and that emptiness uh, caused him to uh, sin in very deep ways. And, you know, I believe you know, he's probably looking to be filled from other things to kind of fill that emptiness, and those things ended up destroying you know, his marriage and you know, potentially his soul. Uh, I'm sure all of us can at least relate to that sense of emptiness that we have felt before. But God gives us the remedy for that feeling of emptiness, and that remedy is ultimately the love of Christ. You see, Paul prays that the fullness of God is what will ultimately fill us so that we have an abundance to give of ourselves. So we're not giving out of our emptiness, but we're actually giving out of a place of fullness because God has filled us so incredibly. And there's no other way to, uh, to be a believer in a healthy way than to be first filled with the love of Christ. There is no other way to be a healthy church than to first be filled with the love of Christ. When God fills us, the Holy Spirit touches us, lights that kindling within us, and there's no, there's no limits to how much we can know how good the love of Christ is. Uh, let me conclude by saying this. Uh, so what's the biggest struggle towards uh, receiving that, towards knowing that? I think the biggest struggle is actually ourselves. And... Uh, you know, Paul says in verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And this isn't necessarily the point that he is trying to make, but when I read that, I thought about something. Uh, he's assuming we, our default mode is to underestimate what God is able to do. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. 
we probably limit God. Uh, we probably underestimate what He's able to do. And I bet many of us don't pray this prayer or pray other prayers that we need to pray because of this, because we're underestimating what God is able to do. But Paul's encouragement is this. God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Right? Whatever our default understanding is about God and what he's able to do, uh, we're probably underestimating it in reality because God is that big. You know, it's like the restaurant Jen and I went to. I knew it was going to be good, but my expectations weren't what it should have been uh, because at the end of the day, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And that's That's actually honestly probably a good way to approach a restaurant. You want to come in with low expectations so you can enjoy it. But that's not the way that we want to think about God because we should have higher expectations. And the higher our expectations, actually, here's the wonderful thing about who God is. Uh, He won't disappoint. He won't disappoint because uh, if we could grasp our minds around it, if he is truly infinite, uh, any kind of expectations that we have are probably not high enough. When you think about how big God is, that's, that's amazing, friends, right? That is amazing. God can exceed what we think he can do. If not in this life, then certainly in the life to come in the resurrection. And so what's the upshot? Um, basically, we, just, we need to pray. Specifically, we need to pray this kind of prayer for ourselves. We need to pray this kind of prayer for our church. We need to pray this kind of prayer for all churches. Uh, because if we are going to be the church, which is going to mean... Uh, be a church that gives of ourselves sacrificially, that considers the interests of others more than ourselves, like all these kinds of things that uh, what it entails to be a Christian believer and to be a church, the Holy Spirit ultimately has to uh, help us to apprehend the love of Christ so that we can be filled in our inner being, so that we can do the things that God is calling us to do. And if the Holy Spirit does that, right, who knows what God can do through us. Who knows what God can do through his church, through his bride? Who knows? Uh, Our expectations, friends, are probably too low. But the love of Christ is so big and so powerful and so great that if we get a sense of how great it is, who knows what God can do through a people who have been filled with the fullness of him? Let's pray together. God, we, uh, we pray this prayer that Paul prays, that we want to grasp, we want to apprehend the love of Christ. And it is so high, it is so deep, it is so wide. It is, uh, it is something that uh, probably our imaginations would even fall short of in terms of how amazing and how big it is. And so we need to pray this prayer. And God, I, we pray that the Holy Spirit would give us a bigger taste than what we already have of how good your love is. That the cross would grow, that in a deep existential way, that in a way that we can experience the love of Christ, that it would change us, that it would make us no longer feel empty, but it would make us feel so full, that grace would feel so abundant, that love would be overpouring, that we would um, respond with wanting to pour out that love to others. And maybe for some of us, and uh, I know for myself, uh, maybe it has been a long time since we have experienced that or felt that, especially in this pandemic year. Uh, But Holy Spirit, we pray that you would uh, light the fire on this kindling of what we have been taught, uh, what some of us have been taught since we were young, uh, what we know to be true, 
that you would make it true to us in a deeply personal way. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.